Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Somerset, Kentucky. Please make sure to visit us online at phbcsomerset.com. This morning, we're going to continue our series in 1 Peter. And uh, I'm enjoying 1 Peter. You know, Peter was a fisherman. He was a leader of the apostles that Jesus called. And he wrote two letters in the New Testament. It's amazing what God revealed to Peter as a fisherman. Today we're going to talk about how to live a holy life. Now if you're like me, you're thinking, I don't know anyone who can. And you would be half right. No one can. But that doesn't end the discussion. There's more to answer that question. Oswald Chambers in his uh, classic uh, devotional, My Utmost for His Highest, said... It is quite true to say, I can't live a holy life. Now, I could stop right there and everybody would go, well, yeah, that's right. I can't, you can't, none of us can. But that's only half the story. He says, but you can decide to let Jesus make you holy. He says, the destined end of man is not happiness, not health, but holiness. God's one aim is the production of saints. He's not an eternal blessing machine for men. He did not come to save men out of pity. He came to save men because He created them to be holy. Holy. I love what uh, Jerry Bridges said. He said, it's time for us Christians to face up to our responsibility for holiness. Too often we say we're defeated by this sin or that sin. He said, we're not defeated, we're simply disobedient. It might be well if we stop using the terms victory and defeat to describe our progress in holiness. Rather, we should use the term obedience or disobedience. I read that and I get convicted, don't you? I'm like, ooh. And then F.F. Bruce, uh, a well-known commentator, said, Christian holiness is not a matter of conformity to individual precepts of an external law code. It is rather a question of the Holy Spirit producing His fruit in our lives, reproducing the graces which are, are seen in the life of Christ. And I would agree with that. You see, when you and I come to Jesus Christ and we are saved, we're, and we're saved, we're born again, and we are now indwelt by the promised presence of the Holy Spirit. And notice He is the Holy Spirit. When He moves into your life, He begins to clean you up. You were bought with a price by the blood and the body of Jesus, and you're indwelt by the Holy Spirit, and you wear His name as a follower of Christ, and He begins to make you holy. You're not holy because of something that you've done or didn't do. You're holy because now He is in you. And that makes all the difference in the world. As we look here at Peter, he begins to zero in on holiness. It's it's interesting if you've been here the past couple of weeks. We started this a couple of weeks ago. Peter leads out by talking to people that are scattered everywhere, believers that are scattered everywhere. He begins to point to our our great salvation that we share in Jesus Christ. And now that that great salvation is foremost in our minds, he begins to call us to action in verse 13. Therefore, in other words, in light of this great salvation that he's just spent 12 verses talking about, therefore, with your minds ready for action, be sober-minded and set your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 
Now, um, I believe the King James here talks about girding up the loins of your mind. And those of you might go, what is he talking about? It's a word picture back in Bible times in the Middle East, you know, where they wore these long robes. If they were going to get anywhere fast, they had to gird up the robe, kind of pull it up so it don't catch their feet, and then they can start moving fast. They don't want to trip over a long flowing robe. And he's, he's creating that word picture. He wants he's, The verb of this is set your hope on the grace that's going to be brought when Jesus Christ comes again. But in order to set your hope on it, you've got to get ready for it. You've got to uh, um, get your mind ready for action. You've got to be alert and sober-minded and self-controlled and set your hope on the grace that's going to be revealed when Christ comes back. I don't know about you, but the older I get, the more and more and more I look forward to Jesus coming back. I mean, the world's not getting any better. And I long and look for the day when He comes back. And He is coming. He said He's coming. And I don't know when. Nobody knows the day or the hour. Only the Father. But guess what? He is coming. And then He says this. He says, not only do we need to be ready for this revelation of Jesus Christ, but then He begins to tell us why we need to be holy. In verse 14, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance. But as the one who called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all your conduct, for it's written, and he quotes the Old Testament, be holy because I am holy. If you appeal to the Father who judges impartially according to each one's work, you are to conduct yourselves in reverence during your time living as strangers. In other words, we're strangers here on earth. This world is not our home. We're citizens of the kingdom of God. We're citizens of heaven. And you know, here's the thing. Our status changes when we don't know Lord, when we don't know the Lord, and when we do know the Lord. Let me explain that. Everybody who, who's ever lived is going to meet God someday and recognize him as judge. That's what judgment day is all about. There's a day that God is appointed. And he's proven that it's going to come by raising his son from the dead. That's what Paul told the uh, philosophers in Greece. And he says there's a day that's coming and God, uh, God's going to have, uh, he's going to judge the world in righteousness and he's proven it by, by raising his son from the dead and it's going to happen. And, and everybody's going to, you know, confess. Every knee's going to bow that Jesus Christ is Lord and everybody's going to be held accountable for everything they've ever done. We're going to recognize God as judge. However, stick with me for a moment. Notice here in verse 14, he says, as obedient children. Peter here is talking to believers. And then in verse 17, if you appeal to the Father who judges. Now, the Father does judge, but notice something here. <clears throat> if you don't know God, God is your judge. And it's not going to be pretty when you meet Him someday. But if you at some point in your life have heard the gospel and you know that you have sinned against God and you know that you need to be saved and He's the only one that can do it and you come to the foot of a bloodstained cross and you receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior in your life, now God has become your father. Let that sink in for a minute. When God has become your father, now there's no fear of judgment. Why? Because he's your father. 
He sent His Son who gave His life and shed His blood for you and for me. My, my, um, my judgment that I deserve, He took upon Himself at the cross. The debt that I owed, it's been paid in full by Jesus. And now I am a child of God. And proof of that uh, adoption is He's given me the Holy Spirit as a down payment guaranteeing what is to come. And, and the Holy Spirit produces in me holiness so that there's a family resemblance between the Father and His children. And so you and I can, can look at that and say, wow, when, when God saves you, He changes you. And that change creates holiness in your life. And then you spend the rest of your life learning to be an obedient child of God. Why do I say an obedient child of God? Because the most miserable people on earth that you will ever meet are children of God out of the will of God. Jonah was one, okay? Jonah was one. He, he knew the Lord, but when the Lord said, do this, he said, oh, I'm not going to do that. And he went exactly the other way. And then when people began to question, why are these things happening to us? What's going on? All the people around him got religious and it wasn't working. And so they turned to him, hey, who are you? Well, I'm a Hebrew. My God's the God of the sea and the heavens. And that's what was all going on. And, and, and then it goes on to say in Jonah that he tells them that he's running from God. He, he'd already told them that. Well, here, here's the point. When you and I are children of God, we receive Christ into our life and we're changed, okay? We begin to walk in holiness as we keep in step with the Holy Spirit. And so Peter's warning us to be those obedient child of God. Don't be conformed to the way we used to live. Don't, don't go back to the old life, but follow the one who has called you to be holy, and we are to be holy because He is holy. Now, if anybody knew better, it was Peter. Remember Peter that proclaimed to Jesus, I'll follow you I'll, even to death. And then Jesus said, you don't even realize, Peter, when the, when the rooster crows three times, you're going to deny me you know, three times. And that's exactly what happened. Peter had an epic failure, a public epic failure. Everybody knew about it. And yet Jesus restored him, and, and the Lord used him. And he was able, he's able to encourage us and strengthen us as Christians. But let's understand that even when God is our Father, that doesn't mean we have privileges. It doesn't mean that we can get away with things. He says, if you appeal to the Father who, judge is, who judges impartially according to each one's work, you are to conduct yourselves in reverence during your time living as strangers. Yes, we know that as children of God, heaven is our home. This, this is just a place we're passing through, but we don't take anything for granted. We don't abuse God's grace. We live here with reverence. We live here in light of holiness because of what He has done in us and for us. And then he keeps on writing. Peter wants you and I to remember our redemption, and that's what we're going to talk about today when we prepare for the Lord's Supper. Look, if you will, in 1 Peter 1, beginning in verse 18. He says, For you know... I always want to point that out because I want you to recognize when you read your Bible that sometimes God uses the human authors to remind us of something that we already know or at least should know. And Peter is saying, For you know that you were redeemed from your empty way of life, inherited from your fathers, not with perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ 
like that of an unblemished and spotless lamb. For he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for you. And through him you believe in God, who, was ra- who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Boy, there is so much there, isn't it? Man, that is so good. You and I need to be reminded. We need to remember that we've been redeemed. We've been bought back with a price. And what is the price? The life of Christ. The blood of Christ. It cost Him His Son. It might be free to us, but it's not cheap because it cost uh, God the life of His one and only begotten Son. We are redeemed by the precious blood of Christ. He is an unblemished and spotless lamb. Wednesday night, we're going through the life of Moses. And this past Wednesday night, ironically, we were talking about the Passover. And now here we are taking the Lord's Supper. And there is a connection between the two because Jesus was observing the Passover meal with his disciples when he took the bread and the cup and he changed their meaning and revolutionized their significance. He said, this bread is my body and this, this, this cup is the blood uh, of the new covenant that's going to be shed. And so here we're reminded that Jesus is the Passover lamb. We read Wednesday night where Paul wrote to the Corinthian church and he said that Christ is our Passover lamb. Remember when John the Baptist saw Jesus coming and he said, Behold the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world. Jesus Christ is the Lamb that God provides. He is the sinless, stainless, spotless Lamb of God. He lived a perfect, sinless life and He is the God-man. He's 100% God, He's 100% man and He comes to be the mediator between God and man. He lays down His life willingly. He sheds His blood so that you and I or anyone can be saved. What a redemption we have. Amen? We have such a great redemption. And so that was God's plan before the foundation of the world, as it says there in 20. You know, a lot of people like to talk about the plan of salvation. I want to talk about the man of salvation because God's plan was to send a man, and that was His Son. And He died for you, and He died for me. And that's awesome to think about. And so I want to ask you in this remaining time that we have here, how can you and I live a holy life? We've talked around it this morning. We realize how important it is. We realize that once you're a child of God, you're indwelt by the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. But how do I live a holy life? Well, when I look at what Peter has said here, I see three things I want to share with you quickly this morning. Number one, focus on your future with Christ. Focus on your future with Christ. There in 13, remember he says, you know, gird up the loins of your mind, get ready for action, be sober-minded, set your hope on the, 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 um, the, the hope, the, the grace that's going to be brought to us when Jesus Christ is to be revealed. In other words, Peter's saying, focus on your future with Christ. You and I have so much to live for. I mean, we've been bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus. We now belong to Him. We're indwelt by His Spirit. We wear His name. We fellowship with His people, and we've got a glorious, glorious, glorious future in front of us someday. And so no matter what the devil says about you and your past, I want you to focus on what God is saying about what He's done for you and your future. Never lose sight of that, okay? Never lose sight of that. I tell you what, you and I need to focus on our future with Christ. When we do, we realize we don't, need to leave a, we don't need to live a life of substitutes. 
There are people today that are living lives on substitutes. They find it in a bottle. They find it in a pill. They find it in something. But I want to tell you, all you need is Jesus, okay? All you need is Jesus. And so focus on your future with Christ. That, that, when that day comes and we see Him face to face and there's no more sin, no more death, no more disease, n- none of that because we are now with Him forevermore. What a glorious day that will be. Focus on your future with Christ. A second thing I would say is understand why being faithful to the Lord matters. You know, that's what he was saying there in verses 14 through 17. Now that God is our Father, we're His children, and He wants obedient children. So He puts the Holy Spirit in us, and if we'll simply yield to Him day by day, step by step, we'll walk in His will, we'll obey His Word, we will resemble His ways, and we will live a holy life because we're letting Him have His way in our life. That's what holiness is. And so understand why being faithful to the Lord matters. Understand that the one who calls you to be holy is holy. And you don't have to attain this on your own. You know, I, I, you know I've struggled with this when I was younger, and I think people struggle with it, but we don't talk about it. We, we finally come to the conclusion one day that I can do nothing to be saved. And so we come before Him, and we receive Christ into our life, and we're amazed by this amazing gift of grace, and we thank God for it, and we can feel the change in our hearts. We feel the presence of the Holy Spirit, and we praise God. And then somewhere along the way, uh, uh, at the beginning of our Christian life, we, we mess up, and we're afraid to go to God because we feel like we've let Him down, and and then we kind of ignore the problem when we do this and do that. And then sometimes we'll go, well, I'm just going to double down and I'm going to read my Bible more. I'm going to pray more and I'm going to be at church all the time. And we do all these things. And hear me, I'm coming full circle here. You know, when we became a Christian, we came to the realization there's nothing I can do unless God does it for me. So I come to God and say, God, I need to be saved. I need you to you know, come into my life. And, and we realize that I can't do anything right or good enough. Well, do you not realize that when it comes to living the Christian life, I still need Him? That's why He gave me the Holy Spirit. That's why He gives me the promises of Scripture so that I can trust Him and obey Him and He's doing it in me and through me. And so understand why being faithful to the Lord matters. And the third and final thing is this. Remember the price Jesus paid for our salvation. Oh, I can't say that enough. Remember the price that Jesus paid for our salvation. It's free, but it's not cheap. It cost him the life of his son. And so you and I need to remember that uh, God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. And he did it for me. And he did it for you. And Jesus willingly laid down his life. And he gave himself and he paid the price. And then he gives us the precious Holy Spirit. And then he gives us the promises of Scripture. And then he says, I'm coming back. Wow. When you put it that way, I don't know about you, but I want to be faithful to the Lord. 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24, Paul closes with a prayer to the church at Thessalonica. He says it this way. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Sanctify is another word for holy. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept sound and blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And if we stop there, we'd go, well, that's great. But how can I do that? 
And then the next verse he says, He who calls you is faithful. He will do it. He will do it. Okay? Don't ever forget that. Now that you come to Christ and you belong to Him, and now you're in Christ because He is in you, now that you have the indwelling presence and power of the Holy Spirit, He says, I will do it. But you've got to yield to me. You've got to trust me. You've got to follow me step by step, day by day, and look at what I'm doing in you. Look at what I'm doing through you, and look at the future I have for you, and never forget the price I paid for your redemption. And when you see that, you'll say, praise God, that's enough. Amen? And so this morning, I want to encourage you. We're going to have a time of invitation first, and then after the invitation hymn, the deacons will come, and we will begin to do the Lord's Supper. But it's all connected. It's a time of response. The Lord's Supper is for Christians. So if you are a baptized believer, I I want to encourage you to partake of the Lord's Supper today because it is what He's commanded us to do to remember the body and to remember the blood to remember the sacrifice this is what he commanded us to do Jesus wants us to remember the price he paid and the way he did it was through the Lord's Supper and so I want to encourage you today to examine yourself examine yourself to see whether or not you're in the faith do you really believe are you really a follower of Jesus and, you know, if you're, if you're not today, I'm going to stand down here at the foot of this altar, and I would love to talk with you. I would love to pray with you. So whatever the Lord is leading you to do today, I pray that you will respond to Him. We all stand, musicians, as you come, and as I lead in prayer. Father, I come before you right now. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this time and opportunity to be with your people, to remember the sacrifice you gave for all of us, And Father, I pray that you would speak to each and every heart this morning. Father, I pray that no one will leave today without saying yes to you. Whatever the situation is, Lord, I pray that they will simply say, yes, Lord, yes, Jesus. And they will do what you're calling them to do. Father, we love you, we praise you, in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this sermon podcast from Pleasant Hill Baptist Church. To learn more about the church, find out meeting times, or learn how to contact the pastor, please visit phbcsummerset.com.